Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College Two Career Podcast. And today um, I have a one of my best friends of all life, man. This guy is one of those people that you meet that change your, changes your life. And I want to give you a, my introduction to our guest for today's episode. So I first met this guy. I got, I got a phone call from this guy. This is how we met. Um, I had just accepted my offer to go work at Frito-Lay. And um, our, the boss at the time, the boss who was going to be my boss, told him to give me a call. And just to say, hey, man, my name is, my name is Cliff McRae. Um, I started six months ago. I'm also a UCF grad. Um, looking forward for you to come. Anything you need, I'm here. And, and they, they, the way that he describes the, the boss, his name is Cyril Wallace, which we'll end up talking about him throughout the podcast. He said, this guy, don't let his size intimidate you. He's the biggest teddy bear. <laughs> and I'm so lucky that he had you call me and introduce yourself, kind of like, you know, mentor me in the early stages of my PepsiCo career because we, we just became so close. So I got my friend, you know, this guy was like my work wife. Like I spent more time with him <laughs> than my wife some weeks. We would travel. Oh, yep. uh, we grew up through with a company together, you know, as we continue to progress, our, our careers progress together. And yep. so I'm so happy to have Cliff McRae now pastor mccray because he left the corporate world to pursue his his calling uh pastor mccray and i'm excited to have him on the show because not only is he one of my best friends not only was he the person who married jessica and i not only is he someone who i just see like a big brother but from our federal aid times he was educating me about race he educated me about the situation you know about this and I'm nowhere near like knowledgeable about everything that is, but I did want to have this conversation with him because to me, when I think about things that are going on with the black lives matter movement with, you know, the death of African-Americans by police officers, he's the person I go to, to have those conversations. He's the person that say, Hey, what are the books? What are the resources? What are the videos that I should watch? 
So that's a, a kind of long introduction, but I just kind of want to set the scene here. And so my brother Cliff, man, welcome to the show. Man, Daniel, thanks so much, my brother. Uh, as I tell you all the time, man, you are my brother from another mother. And um, I'm just appreciative to be able to even have the privilege to be on this podcast with you. And um, like you shared, man, you've been a dear friend. And um, I think we both challenge each other in great ways. And we've got the opportunity to learn from each other and our experiences. Our narratives are so different. And yet, um, we've been able to be such good friends. And um, even how we've all both gone on our ventures to pursue our callings and where we feel like God may be moving us to and um, in life. And so, man, I'm just happy to be here to be able to serve you. That's the perspective I have right now. Um, I just want to be a servant um, to you and your podcast and do whatever I can to uh, help you out, my brother. just want to tell you, man, I miss you, man. <laughs> Orlando's not the same without you, man. <laughs> As you would say, man, since you're Colombian, man, te extraño también, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I miss so, you too, man. Uh, man, let's talk about this because, you know, to me, we talked a lot about this during our time together at Frito-Lay. You know, we talked, I remember you showing me this video and I kind of want to start with this because like you showed me this video because we would talk about it and maybe you want to talk about that video. And because to me, that was like, like that video, we, I remember that video sparked like a two, three hour conversation that we had. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. So I think, you know, when it comes to just this conversation about race, um, it, many people, depending on their background, their experiences, their culture, their upbringing, um, they're going to have things, for lack of a better term, that colors their realities, right? And so, um, no pun intended, by the way, by saying it that way. And so I think, you know, one of the things we just talked about in regards to our experiences is I just wanted to share, like, who I am as a person. And so, yes, I am a graduate of UCF. You know, yes, I um, am the, the son of Deborah and Cliff Sr. Yes, I have brothers. You know, I'm in corporate America. But there's other things that, you know, for me personally, that um, are a part of my identity and who I am, right? And so I think what's important for me to share now as, as, as a pastor and as a Christian, you know, because of my faith, um, my identity is rooted in first and firm, foremost, Christ Jesus. You know, he sets my identity. He's my Christian beliefs and, and who I am in him are of supreme importance. But also through that, he also caused me to embrace who he's made me to be. And so because of um, a biblical perspective that I have, um, part of who Jesus has made me to be is that I'm a black African-American man, you know? And so I think when we enter this conversation of race, I, the, the, the lens and the framework that I have in regards to race has changed over time because over time I became a Christian. And yet um, the lens I have now is through that, through the Bible, you know? And so I think that conversation just, it just talked about the thing I liked about the conversation we had about the video is that in this, there's this dialogue between uh, an African-American or a black man and a white man. And it kind of generalizes, you know, the black person and the white person, but they have this exchange and this dialogue and they talk about real situations and realities. And it makes people have to ask questions, you know, and I think um, that's one of the things, the best things that I think can happen when it comes to race and, and how it relates to our world is to have dialogue and to have good questions. And so I thought that was a great video just for us to have dialogue as friends. 
Yeah. Can you remember? The, can you name the, the video? Because I I I I, I kind of know it, but I don't remember. Like, is it "I am racist"? I am not racist. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> we're gonna put a link on the show notes. So, yeah, I, I think you know one of the things I'll just share too is is that um the the video I think is called "I'm Not Racist." It's yeah. by a, a, a hip hop artist by the name of Joiner Lucas. And honestly, you know, when it comes to starting these relations, you know, starting these conversations, rather. I've had to learn that, man, people have a wide variety of um, experiences. And so that video is really graphic, you know, yeah. and, and it has a lot of vulgar language, um, you know, as, especially as a pastor now, that probably wouldn't be one of the ways I start that <laughs> conversation, if I'm being honest with you, yeah, um, because it, it, uh, it polarizes some things and some people might actually believe, which I don't agree with, but that it'd be polarizing, right? It actually might bring up the vision in people and so um the the way i've even grown as a person myself i've even evolved in how you I, wouldn't even show me that video anymore no you know I, I you know i think that's one of the things about as we grow in knowledge right yeah. as we read resources and we educate ourselves and as we grow as people um we recognize that some things might not inherently be wrong to show but I've just learned when it comes to having these conversations um, as I've been growing to exercise wisdom and how I engage in these conversations. So I would even say it's not that I wouldn't use that video, but contextually and who the audience is and who I'm communicating it with. Um, I would be very uh, strategic in understanding their narrative and asking myself, what's the best way to reach this person to have good dialogue? Yeah, I love it, man. So let, let's, you know, let's shift the conversation a little bit more about you. Tell me about uh, your growing up. You know, what, did you always want to go to college? Like, tell me about that situation, like your story. Yeah. So you want to just answer this for clarity, like just like how I like what, my, what was my perspective about college growing up? N no. So so I want to I guess I want to talk about your journey. Right. So from you growing up and you going to college you're going to corporate America and want to learn about your transition from, did you go to college because you wanted to play football? Did you, I wanted like, I want the, the audience to get to know you a little bit before we really yeah. dive into some. some to this yeah. I'll try to do this briefly. And, and Daniel, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher, man. So I can go and preach a sermon about this. So just <laughs> up if I need to, just, you can, you can kind of say, Hey, speed it up, <clears throat> but I'll try to do this succinctly, but, but thoroughly. So, Man, I grew up, you know, in Miami, Florida. My mom and dad have been, um, you know, my dad was a, a, a city boy from, grew up in Overtown, Miami. My mom was a country girl from, from Augusta, Georgia. And so they came together, really humble beginnings. My dad grew up in a two-bedroom apartment with five brothers and sisters. And so education was extremely important for them um, in regards to that window of success. Like for, for, them, for their generational lens, like, and where they came from, um, they knew that education was important. My dad was the first person to go to college in his family. And so, uh, man, um, I, education was extremely important. And so as I navigated through um, elementary school, middle school, and then high school, um, academics was always stressed, especially by my mother. But my father, um, he really gave me a, a love and appreciation for athletics because he was a football coach. And so um, as I got older, um, I started to get, really get good in athletics, specifically in football. And so, man, um, by my junior year, I had like 14, 15 Division One scholarship offers to play football. And so, Daniel, for me, going to the college, 
Um, my dream at that point in time was to be an NFL professional football player and college was going to be the outlet and the platform to get me there. But um, God had different plans and he allowed some things to happen. And so, you know, that part of my story, um, literally at going into my senior year with all those scholarship offers, I got diagnosed with a heart condition called cardiomyopathy. And so I lost all of my scholarship offers. But thanks to my mother, I had great academic um, grades and I was doing well. And so my middle name's Orlando. My best friend was going to UCF. I didn't even know what the school was. And that's the only school I applied to. And that's how I went there. And so I uh, went to UCF. I come from a family of engineers. And so I majored in engineering. And uh, as I got to UCF, man, it was a challenge. You know, no mom, no dad, no sports, no structure. And so, man, my academic um, narrative, man, was just really, really um, challenging my first two years. I was on academic probation. Um, things were going really, really bad. But to make a long story short, um, I was able to walk back on UCS football team my third year in school. I was able to get medically cleared. I believe God healed me of my heart disease. Um, they ran all those tests back over that I ran in high school that prohibited me from playing. And now I was actually able to play. And that structure did help me as an, as an athlete, as a student athlete. And so, um, and at that time as well, uh, my best friend um, on the team, Eric Plancher in 2007, he actually died um, after um, our workouts as an athlete. And so that, that was a major turning point in my life as a college student athlete um, because uh, I really had to come to grips with life. I think that really, um, really impacted me in a major way. And I had to ask what's important and um, what I'm rooted in. And so that's actually a turning point where I actually gave my life to Jesus. I began to ask questions like, is there really a God? Does he really exist? And if he does exist, then how did that shape my life? And so I began to ask a lot of theological questions, a lot of philosophical questions. And in June of 2008, I gave my life to Jesus wholeheartedly. And that completely took my life in another, another way. And so from that, man, um, I, play, I continued playing football. I had some great memories, championships, go Knights. I bleed black and gold, baby. And um, it was an amazing experience. But I also was able to play football. I was able to get my degree and my master's. And I also was able to gain a new perspective when it comes to truth. And so, you know, the rest, man, after that, you know, I finished playing. Um, my NFL aspirations um, come to a halt as I interview for Frito-Lay at um, through the, the career fair. I go to a career fair. I start interviewing for jobs and it's a great opportunity to work with this fortune 50 organization called PepsiCo. And so uh, I end up praying because there's like a lot of people applying for the job. And I say, God, I know you're real. I know you love me. I know you have good plans for my life. If you want me to go this direction, allow me to get the job with PepsiCo. If you want me to pursue the NFL, uh, don't let me get the job and I'll pursue that wholeheartedly. And I got the job with PepsiCo and the story is history, man. And so, yeah. And so, man, so you started at PepsiCo and, and so I kind of want to talk about PepsiCo, but before we go into PepsiCo, you know, I, I realized I wanted to ask you more questions about kind of like your feelings of uh, what's going on right now. You know, why do you think, um, you know, this is not the first time that we see in the news that a cop uh, kills a black man. What do you think this time, do you think this time is different? Do you think, uh, why do you think that it's, 
there's so much more awareness, at least from my perspective, I feel like before there was a little bit of awareness, there was a little bit of noise, but now I feel like everybody's making the noise, black, white, Hispanic, Asians, they're all like, even everybody's making noise. Yeah, that's a great question, man. You know, and I just want to share with you, Daniel, man, these past couple of weeks have been incredibly heavy for me. Um, I've cried a lot. I'm trying. I hope I don't cry on this podcast. But man, it's been extremely painful. It's been hard um, for me, especially being a person of color. But I think this, this is for us, especially the reason why it's so challenging is because to your point, it isn't new for us. And when I say us, I'm just speaking for brown and black people. And a lot of my white brothers and sisters are also um, seeing this as well. But I think um, what makes it a little bit different, Daniel, is that, you know, when it, when it comes to George Floyd and his death, I think it is so evidently clear that it was so wrong, you know. Um, and um, to see the oppression of his knee, you know, um, the officer's knee on this black man's um, neck who's a, who's already in handcuffs who's literally screaming and asking for life and saying he can't breathe I think the whole entire country resonates with just from a moral perspective it's wrong you know and so the the for me I think I think the whole entire world recognizes that this is wrong is I think it's very clear it's inhumane um it, it, it goes against everything that majority of Americans believe and so I think for brown, brown and black people, we are grieving and we're mourning, but we're especially mourning because when we see acts of injustice like this, it makes us, it reminds us of the, the unfortunate narrative and the historical narrative of America as a country, you know? Um, and what I mean by that, Daniel, is that when you do your research and we, when we go and, do, and look at history, you know, um, America, let me just qualify and say this, there is no other country or time that I would want to be living in right now than in America as a black person. Um, but we, when we look at history, there's a, there's a narrative where it shows that this country was built on free labor. And in many ways, many would feel that it's built off the backs of slaves. And unfortunately, even though we know that slaves were freed, um, there was 400 years where that was going on. You know what I mean? Additionally, um, after slavery, you know, um, many would argue that uh, slavery stopped, but um, racism, systemic racism, and, and many other things have still been integrating and transforming itself through our history even to now. And so while there's been much progress made, there's still a lot of oppression, there's still systemic racism, there's still things like white privilege that are prevalent today. And so when we see these things as brown and black people, we still see, see remnants of what this country was eventually started on and, and birthed in. So, yeah. You know, the more I've been educating myself on this, right. And, and before I would educate myself, I would learn about these things. And even the conversations that me and you would have, I would, it would just be very in the surface, meaning, well, I have friends that are black. Um, some of my best friends are black. Like you, you were like, we were super close. My friend, Charlie, who I know since middle school. And so I'm like, no, I'm not racist. But so, but I felt like, you know, and I, I want to kind of apologize to you and to all my African-American friends. 
I felt like I've been letting all you guys down because me, me having, just because I'm, I'm okay. Like I embrace integration. I embrace uh, equality. I still wasn't doing enough. Like, you know, just because I have friends that are black, just because I associate with black people, I still wasn't doing enough. Right. Like the fact is this, like, um, I could be doing more. Right. And because of that, I feel guilty. And because of that, I feel like, um, things need to change. And I think we need to take more action. Just, 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 I don't know, like I'm, I'm stuck, I'm being stuck with my words, but what I'm trying to say is like, you know, the more I reflect on it, me just reading a book about it isn't enough. If, if I just keep that information internally, that doesn't, it helps me, but it doesn't help anybody else. So I need to have more conversations and I need to take more action. Um, but, but so man, yeah, I mean, I, I want to apologize to you, dude, because I, I feel like I haven't been a good friend in that sense. Yeah, man. And, and then, I mean, you know, it's all love, my brother. And, and I would say as, as a word of encouragement that, um, believe it or not, actually taking those steps to read resources and to read books and to ask questions, I think that is part of this, the beginning, you know, of, and you actually are doing something, right? Because um, you're drawing awareness and reflection personally, so that from that awareness, it can seep into your head then it can reach your heart and then it can ultimately go to your hands when you can do something. But I think unfortunately some people aren't doing the head and heart work and they're just going straight to their hands. And so a lot of people are being misguided and miseducated when it comes to these things on both sides, or I don't even want to say sides, but in all races, ages and demographics. And so I think doing good head and head and heart work, which means like reading, things and reading resources, becoming enlightened, and that impacting our hearts to motivate us and compel us to work with our hands is so important. And so I just want to champion you by saying that's a really good work by, you know, doing that. Tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, you know, do you, did, you, did you find it growing up, you know, whether it's through college or high school or even in corporate America, that your race played a part in either giving you headwinds or tailwinds? Um, yeah, I mean, I can communicate just um, from the black experience, man, there's been a lot of hardships, you know, um, that I've had to face, you know, um, and I just remember growing up, my mom, you know, telling me certain things like, hey, make sure you um, tuck your shirt in, you know, make sure you're always um, doing things above and beyond to be the best you can be and you know, hey, like things aren't necessarily stacked up equally for you. So you always got to be better than everybody else. You know, you have to, B's aren't acceptable. You got to get good grades. You got to get A's, you know, um, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, all of those things always have to be on point. And I was always asking her, why does she emphasize that? And then later on, I began to realize through experiences and through learning how that was, you know, you know, Daniel, even to this day, you know, um, I have, I, I do certain things um, because I am black to make sure that I, I, I'm letting people know that I'm not a threat because a lot of people can view, I've been trained and conditioned to think that um, black people can be a threat. This is not everybody, but again, there's enough for me to, for it to change my worldview. And so when I walk in my neighborhood, Daniel, and um, I, uh, I see my neighbors, you know, I'm greeting them, I'm saying hello, um, I'm, I'm asking how their day is going. 
I'm doing that to do to be a good neighbor, but I'm also doing that to say, hey, there's a big black guy in your neighborhood. I'm okay. I'm educated. You know, you can relax. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's just one example. But man, Daniel, um, I can recall times where back when I was in my neighborhood by my high school being pulled over because I fit a profile, being asked to get out of my car, being put in handcuffs while I'm in a nice, nice attire and asked to get face down on the ground for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Except that I had to fit a profile. Um, search, mistreated by the officers, and then let go, you know? And just feeling like, why is that? Or after some of these recent events where um, black and brown people have been killed, getting pulled over by an officer and just being scared, you know? Just being, wondering if, if I do the wrong thing, like, or if I don't speak the right way, or if I don't handle myself in perfect accordance, that my life could be at risk, you know, and then crying, you know, after the officer leaving. And that's a real thing for black and brown people living in this world, you know? And so that's been that, you know? If there was one thing that like really, I like, Probably a lot of things that I want to bring up probably to you were just another conversation that we had, but to me were things that really like made an imp- like that stay with me. And one of them was like, we used to drive a lot together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I noticed that every time you would see a cop car, you would go more into a defensive driving mode. Right. You're like, mm-hmm. and I, and I would ask you like, and sure, like no one sees a cop car, cop car in the speeds on purpose, but um, you extra, cautiously or like will like go on the other lane if a car was behind you kind of like you would be very defensive and and i I remember asking you about it and you're like you told me that like he's like look i I get pulled over i feel like my life's in danger like i get like it's like and and i remember you telling me that it had to do with you know being black and things that because i don't you know to be honest i don't feel that right If, if 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 a cop pulls me over the first thing I'm thinking is, what did I do wrong? Did I was was it the blinker? Is it that was I speeding? I'm I'm thinking, hey, what are I doing? I feel like for you that wasn't the case. For you, it's like, oh, like you know, now I got to be super guarded, super. And I remember you telling me, it's like, look, Daniel, what? Like, I'm a big black guy. They're threatened just by my presence. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those conversations? I do, man. And and I want to make sure I speak charitably because I know people are going to be viewing this podcast and it's audio only. Yeah, but I think there's uh, a, yeah. I want to speak with clarity just to have people understand that, um, man, I love those who serve to protect our country in all, in all varieties, from our firefighters to our police officers, to those who are in military and so forth. Um, man, there's so much love for those who serve with justice and, and integrity and, and love, and they, they sign up for the job and they, and they wear the badge proudly. So we have people in our congregation that, serving law enforcement. Um, I have friends that serve in law enforcement. And so by no means is this, um, I just don't want to give off any wrong impression that I'm demonizing um, police officers. No way, absolutely not. I love our police officers and those who serve proudly. Um, I think, um, I just want to share that, like that's important <laughs> for people to recognize. I think um, the challenge is, is that unfortunately there's there's some that don't do the job right. and. I've had great, great encounters with officers and I've been speeding and breaking the law and they've given, let me go away. And I've had some who pull me over for no real apparent reason and um, have an agenda. 
And so I think in our conversations, the other thing that makes it unique is that not only am I a black man, but I'm a former student athlete. You know, I'm six foot three, 300 plus pounds, you know? And so my size in and of itself is a, is a variable that I need to consider. And so, yes, you know, um, because of my experiences, because of what I've seen, because of what I know, um, I just carry myself in a certain particular way when I see officers there, you know, understanding that there's good and there's bad and that I just want to make sure that if I can avoid <laughs> getting pulled over, I want to do every means to do so, which everybody would say, right? But I especially would say. So most of the, the students that are, are, most of the people that are listening to this podcast like are current college students. Majority are minority. You know, there's definitely African-American students. What advice do you have for them you know, for any college student that's still currently in college and what advice do you have for, for them to making sure that they, they graduate and, and get a good career or as it relates to anything, man? Yeah, man. Um, man, my, my encouragement in college, man, is just to, to take it seriously um, because it's such a privilege to be able to be in college and to pursue the education. Um, I think, you know, as you're in college, especially to my freshmen out there, maybe even sophomores, man, do your research and, and um, take real time to think out what you really want to do. Um, because that's so important in regards to your life and your calling. I think a lot of times for me, I think back, um, and, and then I think you would agree with this, you know, I was thinking about my, my choice of career, my vocation, solely based off of monetary value and how much money I could make versus actually thinking about what am I burdened to do? What do, what do I feel like I'm called to? And, and I feel like I actually want to give my life to as a person because you spend so much time in the workplace and oftentimes your success or your lack thereof can highly dictate how well you do, you know, in corporate America. So I think, man, really thinking about, man, you know, three, three A's as I like to say it, ability, right? Can I do this? Affinity, Am I passionate about doing this? And then affirmation, are other people within that field affirming that I might have the skill set, competencies, and um, burden to do well in this particular career that I'm pursuing through this education? Um, the last thing I would share is, is just to enjoy the experience. And I know everybody's college experience is different in that some people are literally working their way through college, right? Um, other people, um, have a lot more freedom um, to be able to do so, to be able to kind of like have more extracurricular activities and things like that, that, things of that nature. My encouragement to you, regardless of where you're at positionally, is to steward that well to make the most of your college career, because this is a time for many people of self-discovery and really finding out who they are as a person. Um, oftentimes, mom and dad aren't around. Oftentimes, you're on your own. Um, oftentimes mom and dad are around you. Maybe you're living from home, but you still have a unique opportunity to really grow as a person and as a man and a woman for the future. Hey guys, David here, and I just got the internship of my dreams, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the help of Daniel and the Master in College Degree Academy. Before the program, I had been looking for an internship for about two years, and I didn't get anywhere. I sent out more than 100 applications, got called back for five interviews, all of which led nowhere. Then I met Daniel, who introduced me to his program, and my progress skyrocketed. 
uh, Daniel had, has been a recruiter. He's been out there. He knows what works. Um, he knows what recruiters like. And with those tips that he gave to me, I was able to do way better and immediately start putting, you know, his teachings into practice and getting called back for interviews and offers. Um, it was wild. I'd never imagined that it would be as successful as it was. Um, if there's anyone out there that was like me when I was looking for internships and not getting anywhere, I highly, highly, highly recommend, I can't recommend it enough, that you become a part of this program. Uh, Daniel, you know, Daniel offers a, a money back guarantee. If you don't like the program or if you can't get a job, which is insane, you know, like it gives you no reason not to do it. If your life will be better and you'll end up getting making more money because of it anyway, right? So, you know, what are you waiting for? Give it a shot. It'll make your life better, I promise. Uh, thanks again to Daniel and the, the awesome program that he made. I owe my life and my future to him. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now, let's get back to the rest of the show. You, you know, you have two brothers, um, and then now you have two kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen, you know, because of you have gotten to know your brothers a little bit. But one thing I've noticed that the three of you have in common is this drive to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. And... You know, in many measures of success, I think you and your brothers are very successful, right? Like, I mean, um, you decided to leave your career in corporate, a very successful career, right? You, had, you were on track to easily be a director within the next five years at PepsiCo, leading, you know, even your mentors, uh, the people who you're really close with, our former bosses, like Ciro and Sharonda, like Ciro now being a VP, Sharonda being a senior, like, if you were to stay in PepsiCo, there was no doubt in our, in, our, in our mind and even in your mind that if you continue to perform the level of performance that you've had and the people that you had supporting you and pushing your career, you would have reached very high levels. But you left PepsiCo to pursue your true passion and calling to, be, to become a pastor. And your brothers are very successful in sports. That has, I think to me, that comes down to your parents, Right. So what are some things that your parents really instilled upon you that you are now trying to install upon your kids? You know, it's interesting that you say that, you know, um, that's a really great question. I agree with it. I think parenting had a lot to do with it. Right. I think there's other variables that are extremely important that couple that, but <clears throat> One of the things, and you know from that generation that my parents are, my parents were born in 59, um, they're in their early 60s, um, or late 50s, sorry. One of the things that I realized that um, my parents did was is that it seemed like they understood their kids very well, like their makeup and how they're wired. Like people all often argue, like, is it nature or is it nurture? My parents did a good job of speaking into both of those things in my life. And so um, I don't know if many people listen to the, uh, know about the Enneagrams. I know if you're a millennial or, or if you're in college right now, people know about the Enneagram. I'm a three on the Enneagram. Um, I think it's advantageous to take things like that, tests like that. But one of the things is, is that I thrive off of positive reinforcement. You know, I thrive of encouragement. And my parents really instilled a lot of confidence in me. And they told me, hey, man, if there's anything you want to do, you know, pursue it, man, you can do it. You know, um, I think our generation and culture today has taken that a little too far where people lose and they don't do good and they still get a ribbon 
or a reward, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, Daniel. But um, I think they really did a great job of um, of uh, affirming me, building me up, um, and then um, placing a high value in education. But I also think placing me in athletics early, early on, it built a competitive spirit in my heart for me to want to champion things and to want to win. And so I think when you put that together, all those things together, um, it really set me up and laid a foundation for me to potentially be successful. I think they also allowed, they really, and, and one of the things I value about education is they challenged me to be a thinker and to think and to think and to ask questions. And I think that was also really helpful as well. Um, I think with my kids, um, a lot of things I've learned, my parents will tell you, no, there's no perfect parent, you know, um, at least humanly, speaking from a human perspective. And so I've taken a lot of those principles, you know, I'm asking my, my, the same question with my kids. I'm looking at them and seeing how they're wired and they're both uniquely differently. And so I love them equally, but I treat them differently based upon their makeup and who they are as people. And so I think if you do that, and you're asking yourself, um, based upon my parents, based upon my kids, this is what I'm asking myself right now, based upon on how God has wired them, based upon what their gifting and their skill sets are in, I'm looking at that, I'm evaluating that, and I'm doing my best to point them and guide them in the right direction while still giving them freedom to discover that as well. And I want to how do you think you need to raise your kids different or what conversations do you need to have earlier on with your kids because of the color of their skin? Man, um, it's, it's all, it's all education. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I think it talk, I think it comes with experience. Like, and as these things are coming up, these issues are coming up, having the conversations. Um, I think one of the things um, I'm doing, I want to do with them that's done a little different is, I want them to understand historically a lot of these things that I didn't learn until later on, you know? Um, you know, when, when you live in a majority minority culture with obviously African-Americans being minority um, and Anglos being the majority, you know, we're taught to assimilate to that culture, you know? Um, the way I like to explain it is, you know, it's like um, right now, if I, if I were to ask a, a group of a hundred people to raise to raise their right hand, right? Most people would be right-handed, right? And if I asked that same crowd of people to raise, um, ask me how many people are left-handed, they'd probably be the minority, you know? And our world is built to operate off of a majority culture. That's just a reality, right? And so um, having that framework and mindset, it, it, it creates different norms. And so I just want my kids to be aware of those norms and to also be aware of the minority perspective as well, which is our history and how things are, like I said earlier in the beginning of our podcast, how things are colored and how that shapes their realities, but also sharing with them that um, there's hope, you know, um, even though there's these tragedies going on in the world and even though these things have happened historically, like our hope isn't built in only what's happening today, but our hope is built in the future, what will happen regardless in the future. And what I mean by that, Daniel, is <clears throat> they're gonna know <clears throat> about the world, right? And they're gonna be aware of the realities and that are in place now and history, but everything that they believe and they see is gonna be shaped by the word. 
And when I say the word, I mean the word of God and the Bible and having a biblical worldview on things. And I really believe <clears throat> that's the biggest thing I missed growing up. Excuse me. <clears throat> that's the biggest thing I miss <clears throat> in, in the world growing up is that I miss having a framework of God being the author of life, God ultimately showing us what right and wrong is, and God loving us by giving us a new hope through his son Jesus and by placing our faith in him. And so while all of these <clears throat> tragedies are going on and all of where it may seem hopeless for many, you know what I mean? When you look at world hunger, when you look at racism, when you look at all of these problems that are a result of um, ultimately our sin and, and mankind making poor choices, there is hope in Jesus to have a new life, full life, um, if we trust in him when we pass away. But that's not it though, Daniel. Not only does Jesus and my biblical worldview change my future and the life to come, it also shapes and plays a major role in how I live life today because I think the church and the people of God, the people of faith have a unique purpose in helping people to have hope and to shed light in the midst of all this darkness and chaos. And so um, that's what I would want to impart upon my children. Um, that's what I'm trying to impart right now, even now to our church and our congregation. And that's what I'm trying to impart with anybody else who may not have that same perspective. And so, yeah. Love it, man. So, you know, before we end this podcast, what are some advice that you have? What, how do we continue this conversation forward? How, you know, how can someone like me help, um, you know, help, you know, stop it, what's going on and, and have more equality, you know, to, to make sure that either is it through voting? Is it, I mean, you tell me, man, what can me and the audience do to support the movement and to be able to make this not just us speaking about it, but actions being taken? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, man, um, that's a really great question. You know, I think a lot of people are asking that question, you know, um, and I think it kind of goes into how I'm feeling right now. And I want to end it this way, you know, or you might have a couple more questions. But right now, Daniel, I'm extremely tired. I'm tired because I'm having hours and dozens of hours of conversations in regards to these things and how race speaks into a biblical worldview and how God speaks to race and how there's hope even in the midst of the acts that are going on right now. But I also feel called, I feel called to a movement to speak into these things as, as a church and as a pastor, but I'm burdened, Daniel. I'm burdened because there's many people who are black and brown and who are minorities who are hurting and they're grieving. And there's many people that, that may not share that same perspective and they're hurting and they're grieving and they're asking themselves, how, what do I do? Like, how can I help? How can I be a voice? And so um, here's a few things that I th think that can happen that we can do to help out. So I think to your point, what you're doing right now is, is one of them. It's using your voice, right? Your story and your platform to draw awareness, to teach and really rebuke the sin of personal and systematic racism in our country. Like we must understand that as a people, we're often most apt to listen to our peers 
and, and those who we have relationship on issues of injustice, just like you shared, man, like Cliff, as I look back to you, you've been a dear friend and man, you talked about this stuff and it impacted me because it, it, what it did is, um, Daniel, it actually, um, our relationship bred the opportunity for you to listen. And there's a quote I want to share, Daniel. <clears throat> Proximity, it breeds empathy, right? But distance breeds, um, distance breeds um, suspicion. And so I think our relationship and the proximity we had with each other allowed for a great conversation to have. A second thing I would share is, right? So use your voice, your platform, and your testimony. The second thing I would share is just read resources like we talked about to help educate you and develop a healthy perspective when it comes to race and justice. And for me, what the Bible has to say about those things, right? And then the last one I would share <clears throat> is this one. It's so important when it comes to differing perspectives and people come from all different walks of life. Seek first to understand before trying to be understood, right? Listen, ask questions. Right now, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd like to ask you, how well do you know people who are different from you? People who don't look like you, didn't grow up from where you did, and likely view the world very different from you. My, my, my ask is don't assume the worst in others when they share something that you on paper, on the phone, in person, or via Facebook post, social media, disagree with. Ask honest questions with humility. And if you have black and brown friends or people that you're in a relationship with, ask them how they're doing. Or if you have white brothers and sisters that you have a relationship with, ask them how they're doing. Stimulate dialogue with the hope of love. Love it, man. So I'm going to share with the audience these five things that I've taken away, you know, throughout this last couple of you know days of really doing a lot of self-reflecting and educating myself and things like that. So five things that, that, that we can all do, right? Number one is continue to educate yourself, right? Continue mm -hmm. to read. Um, I know that my team, my, my social media team, we're going to be posting um, a, some, the top three, so three really good resources for you to read. Uh, we're going to find three really good documentaries on Netflix that you can watch. And we're going to find three really big influencers that you can follow to continue to educate yourself on that. So it'd be three, three, three. Um, the second thing is awareness, continue to bring awareness, continue to have this types of conversation, whether it's through the podcast, through LinkedIn. And so for you, I continue to, to spread awareness, have those conversations. Um, number three, vote locally. So after I've done a lot of research, I found that, you know, we, uh, you know, less than 50% of all Americans actually do vote on a presidential election. Mm. And that number is so low when it comes to local elections. So for your city mayor, uh, for, you know, the people who are in charge of the school board, the people who are in charge of the police department, those are a lot of those uh, mm. are elected officials right so we talk about a lot about you know and not so much into this conversation but a lot of like Orla the orlando police chief is an elected position right and so those yeah. individuals actually have more power and influence your life more than the president of the united states so we can hate on the president all day long but if we can't we can make a bigger impact by voting in our local elections um and then number four is vote with your dollars, right? Mm -hmm. In this country, money talks. Like 
vote with your, with your dollars. If there is an organization, there is a company that you do not agree with that is not standing up during these times, you can choose not to buy their products anymore. You can choose to put your money somewhere else. And money makes changes. Uh, we'll, we'll vote for your dollars. And then number five is continue to have conversations. But, I mean, but, I, but what I mean by this is one-on-one -on -one conversations, right? I could have watched 10 documentaries on this, but the conversations that I had with Cliff when we were in PepsiCo time, were way more impactful because it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? It's that proximity that Cliff was talking about. And so I encourage you to have those conversations on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, with, you know, with, your, with people that you know, if not get to know, because those one-on-one -on -one conversations are more impactful. So those are my five things that we can all do that I, you know, for me, those are, that's where I'm putting my attention towards. No, that's great, man. I love it. I love it, man. If I could just share one thing, I think um, being able, when you have dialogues, to do just that is so great. Um, I think that's one of the things that can happen. You can have a, a major conversation with somebody and talk for hours, but if you can train yourself to do what Daniel's doing, it's, it's so amazing um, to be able to say, hey, man, what are two or three things I, I want to take away from this conversation? And what's one or two things that I can actually do in action to respond to it, you know? I think oftentimes we have these big dialogues and people share their thoughts and other people share their thoughts. And they're like, man, that was a great conversation. But if, if conversations don't move to action and progress, we have to ask ourselves, ourselves, how profitable are they? So I love it, Daniel. Well, man, you know, I love you. Uh, thanks so much, bro, for joining me on this podcast, having this conversation with you. And we'll talk soon, man. You got it, my man. Hey, for everybody else listening, catch you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.